Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. disturb anybody while I'm a guest. I will do my best. I want to make a couple announcements. I will be in Greensboro, North Carolina uh, from Thursday, September 9th through uh, Saturday, September 11th. So Thursday, September 9th at 7th no, I'm sorry. Thursday, September 9th at 8.30 p.m. I will be at the Idiot Box Comedy Club that's in Greensboro, North Carolina. There's a comedy festival, so I will be doing a show there that night. And then on September 11th, Saturday, I will be doing a show at 7.30. So that is also in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Idiot Box Comedy Club. Please feel free to join me. I would love to see you there. Um, today is kind of a heavy day for me. I'm recording this late Saturday night here in New York while I'm visiting friends. Um, I got some heavy news saying that a friend of mine, a comedian friend of mine, uh, Fu, passed away. Um, he was a very, very funny person. He had a really big heart. Um, he had some demons you know he had some struggles um all of us have it there's no judgment um but the one thing that is completely you know without a doubt the truth is he he was one of the funniest people that i knew and you know i spent a lot of time hanging out and talking to fu uh in the spring and summer of this year and um really got to like this person a lot and you know I just kind of regret not making more of an effort to um, hang out with him because he did like reach out to me a couple of times and I don't know like I have my issues my hang-ups and I don't know I guess I'm just realizing like all of this stuff is pointless you know like we continue to do it I continue to do it I mean the lesson for me was just like Life is fragile and hanging on to ridiculous resentments at the end of the day don't matter because we all end up dying and we just don't know when, who's going to go, right? I will not be having a guest on today. Um, today is just a special episode with me and you. Um, the episode that, the show that I want to talk about today is called DP. It's on Netflix. Okay, it's a very special original Netflix production and it's only available exclusively on Netflix. It's different from the other Korean dramas because all those other shows, they typically will broadcast it on a Korean broadcasting network or a Korean cable channel. So Koreans, you know, back at the motherland, they'll be able to see these TV shows uh, on their television sets. But 
this show they cannot this show they can only see on netflix so that's now two korean dramas it's netflix and the other one is called extracurricular both of them are on netflix exclusively what is the reasoning for that well if you watched extracurricular and if you've seen dp you'll know that both of them break all the rules okay so the korea communications commission or the kcc they would typically censor all the smoking nudity excessive violence images of dangerous weapons swearing like all of that stuff is it's not allowed even on korean cable channels they're not allowed but you get to see all of that stuff on netflix okay the other reason why uh, the, a show like dp could never be aired in korean television um, is because it's got a very sharp critique of the Korean military-industrial complex. South Korea has this uh, military conscription service duty, which is mandatory for every single able-bodied man in South Korea to serve in the military for 18 months. But because the Korean broadcasting networks are closely intertwined with the government, any politicized messages on TV shows are typically forbidden, and they will self-censor themselves. And a lot goes into skirting anything that might be in direct critique of Korea's political system. But this show tackles it very head on. I want to talk about DP because it's a critical television show with a very strong message of dissent and it's directed at Korean men. And there's a kind of mobilizing intention behind it as, as a whole. DP is a miniseries, so there are only six episodes and the likelihood of a season two is most likely not even there because I don't think they'll be able to do a, a season two for a show like this unless there's like a, a huge change in terms of the cast and the direction of the script. I don't have much, I don't have very high hopes for a season two for the show. DP was originally a webtoon series. It was written by cartoonist Kim Butong and it was adapted for the small screen with director Han Jun-hee and he is a movie writer and director. Han Juni is mostly known for The Coin Locker Girl, which stars Kim Hesu and Kim go and Park Bo-gum. And I don't think it's a very good movie. It's an excessively violent movie, and it attempts at kind of a feminist sort of message, but it's way too aggressive for my taste. And if there were any moral threads that I was supposed to untangle, they were absolutely lost on me. DP is a really good show. I think it's an important show for the people to see if they want to explore Korean militarism, if they want to explore the civil war between North and South Korea, if they want to explore masculinity, bullying, hazing culture, neoliberalism, nepotism, cronyism, herd mentality, and potentially revolution. Um, I guess I could go into the whole North and South Korea war thing, but I've, I've discussed this already in my other episodes. I'll just very quickly sum it up and say the North and South Korea split at the 38th parallel in 1945, and then in 1950, North invaded the South, the USSR backed up the North, the United States backed up the South, and during this three-year civil war, about four million people died. Most of them were South Korean. Well, they were Korean civilians on the Korean Peninsula. Okay, so North and South Korea never signed a peace treaty, so technically they're still in a state of war. All they did was they held a ceasefire, and this is still a problem to this day. So 
the threat of North Korea being this enemy is the reason why every single South Korean man is required to go and serve in the military, okay? Um, we have to recognize that the conscription duty is a very painful requirement for Korean men to face, and it causes a lot of social issues in modern Korean society because nobody wants to go. No man wants to serve in the military. They don't want to give up two years of their lives learning how to kill and fight people, okay? Serving in the army, the marines, or in the navy, they're not voluntary like they are in the United States. If women in South Korea wanted to go and serve in the Korean military, then it's absolutely voluntary, but otherwise, this duty only falls on men. So it causes a lot of anguish among most young men. And you can see why when you're watching this show, because not only is the training very rigorous, right? But the drill sergeants, they break you down mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And that toxic aggression starts to spread. There's this hierarchy in, in ranks. When the privates first get recruited, that hierarchy is severely toxic. So men at the top, okay, men who have been there longer than the privates who have recently arrived, they bully and haze the men at the bottom very, very harshly. We see that especially in the character Huang Changsu. He beats his junior privates down severely and it goes beyond just meetings, I mean beatings. It goes into sexual assault in very sinister ways like burning off their pubes, all right? Chung Hae-in plays the main protagonist An Jun-ho and he's given the title DP which stands for Deserter Pursuit which is a unit that goes after men who deserted their duty, all right? So deserters are always punished and they serve a prison sentence for defying the nation. It's a very heavy sentence. So look at the abuse that these men are subject to, right? In the military. But then if they were to desert this duty because of the harassment that they are suffering, is their desertion justifiable is the question. Or is their desertion even a desertion? Is their desertion even a crime? There's a private named Cho Sakpong, for instance. He appears very kind and very gentle. He even tells Chun-ho in the earlier episodes how he never wishes to mistreat his juniors when they first come in, and we see a massive change in him towards the end, right? But the helplessness that Chun-ho feels at the sight of bullying and abuse from his superiors is similar to the trauma that Chun-ho himself suffered when he was watching his mother get beaten by his abusive father. So Chun-ho resents his mother a lot for not just running away and leaving her abusive husband. But he also has a really hard time forgiving himself for not protecting his mother when he was a young boy and when he helplessly looked on. In episode 4, you see Chun-ho asking his mother, why don't you run away? And this question aligns with the man's experience in his home country, right? It's similar to the way that a woman's victimhood to domestic violence is. The question of why don't you run away? right? Asking the man who is being abused while serving his country, why don't you run away, right? So there's this alignment between genders, okay? Junho is in the army learning how to protect and serve the nation, and he's gaining training, but he's also getting his ass whooped, and he's surrounded by corrupt men who have no morals and has a really hard time with dissent and defiance. I think it's in episode two when Junho tells Sergeant First Class Pak Bonggu, that there would be no desertion if there was no conscription duty in the first place. And I think this is a very important point, right? So the show contains a meta-critique of the conscription service as a problem overall. 
we also see how corrupt the higher ranking officers are. So Ko Kyungpyo makes a cameo appearance in episode one as Corporal Park Sung-woo, and he's obviously been given favors because of his father's high powered position and the money and the wealth that he's coming from. You see how the director oversees the entire base, right? And he's completely corrupt in his position and he's not offering promotions to the officers who deserve it. And he's not taking any responsibility for the problems that are arising at his base, okay? So the question of, well, why don't any of these victims who suffer bullying and sexual harassment ever speak up? This is not explored in the text at all, all right? And I think that exploration was necessary. We can sort of tell that the corrupt superiors have zero desire to bring anyone to justice because they fear poor publicity. And the victims themselves don't wish to mention it. They don't wanna speak up because of the shame that is tied to being bullied and harassed. Nobody wants to speak up because they don't want to show weakness. So the show has a critique of masculinity as a construct. I thought this show did a really fine job at humanizing these men. The men who committed desertion did so for very legitimate reasons. They went into the military to serve, but they found themselves in positions that made their lives unbearable. They were being humiliated, dehumanized, desexualized, and demeaned in every which way possible. The protagonist encounters the deserters' family members and friends who offer them a more wholesome picture of who they are as individuals. Right? So we see this sort of humaniz humanization. And we see that these men are they're sensitive and they're vulnerable. Some of them have issues, they are violent and aggressive, but a lot of them were good men who were just trying to live an upright and moral life. But getting drafted into this military duty and becoming exposed to these horrifying, violent occurrences turned them into what? Hollow, depressed, empty shells of human beings. And their number one threat as a whole is suicide. I have a friend who did serve in the conscription duty years ago and he said that during the first six months of training is when the suicide rate is the highest among privates. So they're under constant surveillance. This is 24-hour surveillance. They're not even allowed to go to the bathroom without another private escorting them. They're not even allowed to masturbate. So it's a miserable time for these men during the first phase. And you can see that they're becoming not only mentally and emotionally broken down, but also physically. There is so much rigidity and restriction when a man enters the military, okay. So a man's body is no longer his own. His body belongs to the state and the puppets of that state, like government officials, and whatever those puppets want to see for their own amusement, these men are required to embody them. So you can say just as easily that the militarization of a man is emasculation. Not only is it emasculating because a man is essentially being raped by the state, forced by the law and by violence to follow orders that they don't wish to follow, but they are left to feel completely and utterly helpless. So disempowerment is part of the militarization of a man. It's part of the conscription duty. And this is very interesting because right now in Texas, they are you know, removing abortion laws, the, the right to women's abortion. And think about this, it, it's somewhat comparable to the way that men get drafted into serving the state for defense purposes, right? Their body is not their own, okay? There's a really great book on the Korean conscription duty and militarism and gender. It's written by Professor Sung Suk Moon. She's a sociologist at Vassar College. 
Her book is called Militarized Modernity and Gendered Citizenship in South Korea. And it's a very important text if you want to learn more about gender politics of conscription duty. So that's a book I would recommend. What this show DP does is it blurs the moral questioning around desertion. Is desertion necessarily a crime if a man is being abused and harassed? Or if a man has his basic rights taken away and his humanity robbed? If a man who lives in poverty has no caretaker for his sick and elderly grandmother, is desertion of the state more important than desertion of his elderly grandmother? So who is in the wrong? The deserter or the state that provides no support for such circumstances? The question of is desertion wrong also arises when we look at the South Korean military eating itself alive when it's supposed to be training in efforts to fight an imaginary enemy. That enemy is supposedly the North, but instead they channel all their pent-up rage and anger and feelings of injustice, feelings of helplessness, sadness, brokenness, and rage out against their juniors, right? And that cycle perpetuates who is fighting who and for what? All of this becomes very confused on this show. DP glorifies dissent and defiance. Whenever a character demonstrates dissent or defiance against their superiors, who they feel are standing on questionable moral ground, they take action. These actions are aligned with the act of desertion. Because desertion is a direct defiance against the state, one becomes a criminal. One loses their rights even more than before when they couldn't even just be a free man. Once a person deserts, they can't use their own identification card because now they are a criminal at large. They can't get a proper job. They can't live a normal life. They've essentially given up their rights, right? When Junho and Hoya directly defy orders from their direct superior, or even when a senior ranking officer defies their seniors, the mise-en-scene very much glorifies them as heroes, okay? so. The final shot in the last episode of the series is of Junho not following the troop when they go on their run, and he ignores the sergeant's orders. Instead, he starts running in the other direction, right? And we can hear his footsteps through the credits, and this suggests his own desertion, right? The question of why should a man protect and serve a nation that deliberately refuses to protect and serve him is a very prominent theme on this show. The way Chunho breaks the fourth wall and stares directly at the camera lens in response to the sergeant's questions with a look of pure defiance, it speaks volumes. It's not just a question of defying the state, it's a message directed towards all men who are called to serve to potentially defy the state's orders and refuse to conscript. Okay, so it's got this sort of mobilizing, sort of protest effort behind it. We see in the final episode that the men who defied the boss's orders were all fired, right? They were all eliminated from their posts, but they did that in efforts to save a fellow private. Their attempt was to save private Cho Seokbong, who everyone in his civilian life absolutely loved. They loved what a gentle and sensitive soul he was. They loved him for loving anime and art and comics and teaching children. And he had this deep-seated rage in him, but it was only when he was pushed to his limits in the form of bullying, right? And we saw this when that stranger bumps into him and he sort of loses his mind. But 
Sokbong's love for his artwork and his students is very much there and seeing him go like that at the end of the show was really heartbreaking for me to watch and I cried so much while watching that scene when we last see him and then we see Juno just screaming in horror and agony um, but it was a it was a really painful scene there are other issues related to the Korean military that this show does not address but the military's homophobia is absolutely real in South Korea. Gay and trans conscripts get it especially bad, and any homosexual act is strictly forbidden in the Korean military, and it's punishable by law. If you want to read about queerness in Korea and gender, I have an article published on Jump Cut, a contemporary review of media, which you can access for free online. The article's title is Queer Politics of Korean Variety TV, State, Industry, and Genre. I'll post it on my podcast description for anybody who is interested. There was a trans sergeant named Pyeon Hisu who recently died, presumably due to suicide because she was, dis she was dismissed from her post for having undergone a transition surgery, which the military deemed psychological unsoundness and therefore declared her as unfit to serve. So you have these issues arise because the Korean military industrial complex is in existence and because they're just homophobic. Unfortunately, this show does not address the homophobia and the transphobia of the Korean military and it overlooks all these queer issues related to the conscription duty, which is a gap that I do want to acknowledge. Uh, we have to understand that whenever we take action to stand up for something, there's a good chance that we might face consequences for it, okay? Like for instance, I recall having a conversation with this uh, straight, uh, white, cis man a bunch of years ago when I first got to LA, and he was in medical school and he was asking me what I was studying and how my values informed my work. And I told him that I was studying masculinity and that my feminist values inform my examination of masculinity and how society constructs it. And this guy immediately started talking over me about how he thinks feminism is important and that it's you know, cool that a woman is studying it and blah, blah, blah. And then I asked him if he thinks feminism is important would he be would he be willing to take a pay cut so that women can all get equal pay and this guy immediately turned on me and said that my values were too idealistic and that i needed to get real and that the reason why i think this way is because i'm not married and i don't have children so he was insulting not only my intelligence and my values but you know he was also making misogynistic comments about my marital status and my reproductive system um, in the final episode of DP, when we see those empty desks where the corporal and sergeant are no longer employed because they've been fired trying to do the right thing by a troubled soldier, we're shown this shot because the message is, if you stand up for the right thing, it's going to cost you, okay? You pay for your moral standing. That's an absolute truth. And this is why people who have money spend most of their time rationalizing why they deserve that money uh, at the end of the day there's no way to place value on a human life there's no way to place value on an individual the belief that one individual is more valuable than another is the reason why we have all these horrible histories 
and related to the human race like slavery and colonization and indentured servitude and sexual enslavement wars unequal pay global hierarchy pollution etc right think about why ableism is a thing at all okay to consider one person less valuable or less worthy of being part of a society and forcing them indoors or in an institution where they're left to be forgotten and locked up all right that comes from this belief that human bodies can be measured in value think about people like myself and other people who hold phds in this country working as adjunct professors who make twenty thousand dollars or less per year while driving to multiple cities all over their state to work at multiple universities and doing all of this without any health care without any job stability and without any time to do their own research okay making the choice to do something good is always going to be harder because there is always more to pay when we go down that road i just want to say that i am in support of south korea abandoning their conscription duty because it not only injures men but it really greatly injures women it really worsens the gender inequality in south korea and nobody nobody is exempt from this issue it hurts the families to watch their you know younger brother or their older brother or their son go off to serve the country you know becoming hardened soldiers it hurts everybody uh when these men come back they come back changed okay they come back with a a lower sense of self they and and a lot of the times they take it out on women right so they come back they get hired at a job it takes them a while but they eventually get hired at a job and they start to form alliances amongst themselves right because they were like oh we were we were sort of in the pits together so we got to stick together and they sort of create women as this mental enemy when women had absolutely nothing to do with it it had to do with other men actually creating this kind of system so i genuinely hope for a better day a brighter day when the brutality of militarism stops all of the unnecessary violence i wanted to stop against the people of that country and I, I wanted to of course stop all the wars in all the nations okay of course i'm about world peace until that day comes i just want to say that i will be working on myself uh making efforts towards becoming a good and decent individual and i encourage all of you to do the same and to always know that yeah being on the right being on the right side of the path is always going to be a little bit harder but you know you're not alone there are a lot of us on that path so um i really encourage and support all of you to stay with it um thank you for listening you guys and um i'm sorry that i'm so out of it today it was a really long day and it was kind of a difficult day but i wanted to um keep my promise and make sure that this airs um by monday so i hope that that is worth something and uh, i really do want to hear from all of you and let me know what you thought of dp if you have any thoughts or opinions or comments please email me or you could put them in the comment box um, on instagram you could also post it on youtube um, 
but yeah I'd very much like to hear from you and thank you to the folks who have been emailing me I've been reading them and I have your requests so I will make sure that I get to them but I will definitely address them thank you all for reaching out appreciate it take care you guys be well be kind to yourselves and one another